Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm here today with you in the studio taking your calls and texts live on the air for Calvary Live. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything else going on in your life that you uh, have questions about or would like talk to talk about or would you like to be prayed for. We would love to pray for you, hopefully answer some of those questions for you and help bring some clarity perhaps to some areas where there's been confusion, maybe something uh, that you've read in your Bible and you're not sure what to make, uh, how to make sense of it. We'd love to talk through those things with you. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, that text line is 720-336-0897. Here at the beginning of the show is always a great time to call in because uh, we wait for those lines to fill up. And so if you want to get on the air, we can get you on pretty quick. Here at the front end of the show, again, the number to call is 303-690-3000 and the text line 720-336-0897. We want to welcome all of you who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. We also want to welcome those of you who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those who are listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Just a reminder that those of you listening on the East Coast and the area around Tennessee, you're hearing this program on a one-week delay. So you're hearing it a week later than it aired live. But we would love for you to still call in and you get to ask your questions. We'll talk with you. And then you'll get the unique opportunity. You get to tune in a week later and hear yourself on, on the radio. So do, do give us a call wherever you're tuning in from. Uh, we also want to greet those of you who are listening online. You know there are so many of you who listen on the website and on the mobile app. So if you don't have that mobile app yet, we really recommend that you go get it. Just go to the app store for whatever device you use. And you can just type in Grace FM and it should come right up. You put that on your device and you can listen over the internet anywhere you are actually in the world. So it's a great resource for you to have. You can listen to this show as well as all the other great programs here on Grace FM. And you can also listen in your browser. So you can go straight to gracefm.com in your laptop or even on your, your mobile browser. And you can tune in and you can click the button that says listen live and you can tune in there. I get texts regularly from people who listen in places like Florida Arkansas, Texas, um, Minnesota, California, um, in Washington State. I know there's somebody who listens to us regularly. So we are so glad to be able to be reaching so many people, and especially um, especially those of you who are who are tuning in through the mobile app, because that that gives us even broader reach than those who are uh, listening over the airwaves. So if you know people in other areas who would benefit from this, do tell them about that app. Tell them to go and get it, and that way they'll be able to listen wherever they're at. Just a few words about myself. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And I'm your host here on Calvary Live every Monday. And today's not Monday, it's Wednesday. I'm filling in today for Pastor Ed Taylor, who is traveling right now. And um, 
I get to host every Monday. Really enjoy doing that. For those of you who are in the Longmont area or even in the, any of the surrounding communities, whether that's from Lyons or Berthoud, Frederick, Firestone, Decono, maybe Mead, Erie, Lafayette, Niwot, North Boulder, we would love for you to join us. Or if you know people in those areas, definitely send them our way. God's doing a great thing at Whitefields. And we're really just privileged. We feel it's a great privilege and honor to be part of it. And so our church meets at 700 Longs Peak Avenue, which is just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue, which is like 7th Avenue in Longmont. So we're right on the northwest corner of Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street. So the downtown park and ride is just to the north of our building. And we're right there in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, really central location in downtown Longmont. And we'd love for you to join us and worship with us. Our services are at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And you can also hear us online every weekday. Uh, we have a show that airs at 2.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. you can hear us on Grace FM. And uh, if you know for some reason you're not able to make it to church on Sunday morning, definitely tune into Grace FM. You'll hear our services there. Uh, our website is whitefieldschurch.com. So if you'd like to listen to some of our past messages or if you'd like to um, find out more about our church and what's going on and how you can get connected with us, we'd love for you to do that. Go to our website, whitefieldschurch.com. This coming Sunday, we're going to be doing a baptism and a barbecue after service. So um, if, if there are some of you listening who maybe go to our church or maybe you don't, but you're in the area and you've been wanting more information about baptism, we're having a baptism preparation class tomorrow. So that's Thursday night at 6 o'clock p.m. at our office in Longmont. If you want more information about that, you can email us at Info at whitefieldschurch.com. Info at whitefieldschurch.com. More information about the baptism and the baptism service coming up this Sunday. We'd love to have a lot of people come out and celebrate new life in Christ with those who are making this important step in their faith and being baptized. And that'll be after service this Sunday. And this Sunday, we're going to continue the series we've been in, which is called I Could Never Believe in a God Who. And in this series, what we're doing is we're um, going through a lot of the things that people say are hurdles for them, difficulties that they have when it comes to really embracing the gospel and putting their faith fully in Jesus Christ. And maybe that's you. Maybe that's someone you know. We'd love for you to come out this coming Sunday. Our topic is going to be, I could never believe in a God who hasn't proven his existence. We're really going to be delving into the question of, has God proven his existence? Are there things that we can look to and say, this is proof for God? And um, if there are, what does that mean for us? Furthermore, we're going to be delving a little bit into the question of, you know, has science buried God, so to say? Has science um, proven that there is no God? We're going to be addressing that head on, and uh, we would love for you to join us if those are things that you are curious about. We'll also be studying the Word. Our text is going to be, we're going to be looking at John 1, 1 through 18, this incredible passage about who Jesus is. And uh, we'd love for you to join us. So 10 a.m. Sunday morning, Whitefields Community Church in Longmont. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to our first caller, Katie in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Katie. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. How are you? Doing great. What's up? Good. Uh, question for you on, I, I hear a lot when a believer dies, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But I don't believe I've ever heard, <clears throat> if you're not saved, where you go, and is it just your soul that goes, and then your body left like in a believer, 
And then the second part of that would be um, judgment. Do you get your body? Does, does the judgment come after you get your bodies? Yeah, so those are great questions. Um, let me walk you through it. And if there's any part of it that I don't answer, then I'm going to ask you to tell me that and I'll hopefully fill that in. Okay. Okay. So I think this is a question that, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, we know that there's heaven, we know there's hell, we know there's a judgment, but how does it actually happen? At least what does the Bible tell us about it? I'll put it this way. Um, maybe I'm actually going to even go back a little further and say, how did it work before Jesus came and redeemed the world? So one of the really great texts for this, there's a couple, but the one that I think is kind of the easiest one and most enlightening one is found in Luke chapter 16 where Jesus tells a story which tells us a lot about hell. And, uh, and not just hell, but also another place, um, which is Abraham's bosom. Okay, so in the, in the Old Testament, you know, maybe you, maybe you remember Psalm 139, where David says, you know, even if I descend into Sheol, you are there. And I yeah. always found that a little bit confusing. Like, was he saying that, is, is, it, is Sheol hell? And is David planning to go to hell? And like, is God in hell? Like, that's all very confusing until you understand that Sheol is not the same as hell at all. Sheol in the, in the Jewish mind was basically the dwelling place of the dead. And that meant all the dead. Whether you're a person who died in faith or a person who died apart from faith, you went to Sheol. So that's why David is expecting to go there. Now, what we learn is that Sheol is divided into two parts and that there's a chasm in between them that cannot be crossed. Again, we're still talking about before Jesus came. Okay, so this is what we see uh, pictured for us in Luke chapter 16, is that these two people die and they both go to Sheol, but there's a division in Sheol. Those who die in faith go to a place called Abraham's bosom, which it tells us is a place of comfort for those who are awaiting the redemption, which will come through the Messiah, Jesus. The other part of Sheol is divided, and that part is called Hades or hell. And that, it says there in Luke 16, is a place of torment, right? Where this person who goes there is, is clearly in conscious torment. And so, so that's how it was before Jesus. Now, here's what happens. Jesus comes, he dies on the cross. And then we, we know, like even the creeds tell us that he descended into hell, right? Mm -hmm. What that means, again, I would maybe specify, did he descend into hell? Yes, because First Peter tells us that he went and he preached to those who were imprisoned. What's interesting, though, is what First Peter tells us, it was his preaching to those in Hades was not preaching towards salvation. It was a proclamation of their judgment that is going to be even further fulfilled past this. Mm. So you could say that Sheol, both Abraham's bosom and Hades, are kind of like waiting rooms, so you could say, which are awaiting the final judgment, which is going to come at the return of Jesus. And we see that happen in Revelation. That's exactly what we see. So I'll, I'll keep walking you through it. What happened, like Ephesians 4, tells us that Jesus, you know, descended and led the captives in his train. And so what it would seem is that Jesus, having redeemed those who died in faith, the Old Testament believers, who went to the Abraham's bosom waiting for the redemption that was to come in that Sheol, but yet a, a place of comfort, Jesus goes, and now those people have been redeemed and justified by what Jesus did for them, and they are taken up to heaven. Jesus leads them in his train 
up to heaven to the immediate presence of God. So to answer one question right now, if a person dies today, how is it that they are in the presence of God? Well, because we no longer go to Abraham's bosom because Jesus has redeemed us and justified us by what he did for us. So he takes us to heaven to be with God in God's presence. Now, I would say that this is a disembodied um, existence, right? So this is our soul, but we won't be disembodied forever. Again, I'll still get to that. Then Jesus, you know, talks about several times throughout the Old Testament and New Testament about the resurrection, which is to come at the end of all time for all people. So all people will be resurrected unto the judgment, which means that um, those who have died and are in hell and Hades will be resurrected. Those who are uh, have died and are in heaven with God right now, their souls are, will be resurrected the judgment will take place. Of course, we know the judgment takes place in two parts. There's a judgment to condemnation for those who died apart from faith in Jesus and his finished work. And then there is a judgment for reward, which is called the Bema Seat. Right. We read about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Mm-hmm. And that is for those who have been justified. They still are judged, but their judgment isn't unto condemnation. It's judgment for reward, like if you were in the Olympics and you you know, succeeded, Mm -hmm. you get to be judged by the judges, not to be condemned, but to receive a reward. And so finally, what we see in Revelation is that after the judgment, it says that hell and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. And it says, this is the second death. And that Mm -hmm. is the ultimate uh, destiny of those who are in hell and Hades is the second death, which is the lake of fire and you know, we commonly refer to all of these things as hell, but this is how the Bible describes it more specifically. Um, for those who are uh, die in faith, that they will be then embodied. They'll have those resurrection bodies. Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians 15. We receive these resurrection bodies, and we will inhabit the new heavens and the new earth, which is just as the lake of fire is the ultimate fulfillment of the judgment, the new heavens and the new earth are the ultimate fulfillment of what we might call heaven. And, um, and, but here's why I think that that terminology is interesting. First of all, we're talking about bodies and we're talking about, um, a new heaven, new earth. We're, we're talking about something which will be much more physical and tangible as opposed to an idea of heaven that it's, you know, ethereal and kind of, you know, we're just floating disembodied spirits floating around, maybe on mm-hmm. clouds playing harps, which is, uh, I, I love what C.S. Lewis, he said, um, he said of this idea that we're going to be playing harps, harps and floating around on clouds. He said, don't be ridiculous is what he said. I, I thought it was hilarious that he, he puts it this way. He just, the, that's the, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's not what Christians believe. And uh, so, yeah. Okay, so, and that was a very good answer. I I was with you on all of it. I just, I wonder, um, so when Jesus died, he, he emptied out Abraham's bosom, and that now is when when a believer dies, they're in the presence of the Lord in heaven. Yes. With their soul, their soul. Correct. So when someone dies now, not a believer, Sheol or hell down there, is still um, active yes. and occupied? Correct. Okay, now, um, you said believers will get their new bodies at the resurrection. I understand that. Um, non-believers, will, will, it always be, will, there, will they always be separated 
from their body and just their souls in Sheol? That's a great question. I'm not sure that the Bible speaks to that. Not that I know okay. of. It doesn't talk about, you know, we read about resurrection bodies, but uh, we don't necessarily read about, um, you know, bodies of people who are in judgment. Okay. So then those that are have been in Sheol up until the day of judgment, I guess, I guess that's the part that maybe stumps me a bit. I, obviously, you're not saved or you are saved, but um, the judgment, if they spend their time in Sheol, even prior to the judgment, just based on whether they believed in Jesus or not? Um, that is correct, but I will say that it's not as simple as just like, oh, people go to hell because they didn't agree with what you thought. You know what I'm saying? This is a, this is a much more uh, in-depth thing that we have to think about. If Jesus is the Savior, then to reject Jesus is to reject the salvation that God has provided. I would right, go so far right. as to say this. Um, it isn't that hell is, is the um, punishment for particularly bad people, according to the Bible. Hell is our default destination for all people. And so that's where, that's where I deserve right. to go. Right, right. And we also should define what hell is. You know, I think that, uh, that we have to ask the question. The Bible uses these um, pictures of things like fire, Things like, you know, well, uh, let's specifically just stay with fire. Okay, fire, worms, that's another one the Bible uses. Um, yes. Now, are those things literal flames, or are they a metaphor for something uh, which would be torment? Now, I, I tend to lean towards that they are a metaphor for a kind of torment, and the reason for that is because of what I read in Second Thessalonians chapter 1. But I will go so far as to say this. If it turns out to be actual flames... I think that's also possible too. So this is not something I'm dogmatic about. I actually don't mm-hmm. don't know that this is really a consequential thing. But what Second um, Thessalonians says is that those who have rejected Jesus, and and that's the other thing. It's not just not believing. That's really important. It's not just not believing. This is, you know, this is we're talking about rejection of a, of salvation. This is mm-hmm. um, tr- purposefully putting yourself forward as saying. I'm a good enough person to save myself on my own merits. And, um, and that we could say is a form of pride and, mm-hmm. and that is what God resists. And so I, I think sometimes when the question is framed, Oh, so look, if I just don't believe in your God, then God's going to punish me eternally. And the way that questions framed can come across as if Christians are, um, you know, or even not Christians, even just what the Bible says is, is, not really fair. Um, but right. I, I think if we really look at the whole topic, what sin is and what rejection of Jesus is, I think that we have to say that it is absolutely just. And yes. especially this, in First Thessalonians chapter 1, it, it says this, that um, those people will be away from the presence of the Lord. So yes. think about this. If God is light, if God is the source of life, if God is the source of everything that is good, then to be separated from God and his glory for eternity is to be separated from, it is basically darkness, it's yes. aloneness, it is, um, you know, the absence of joy, the absence of anything good. And that that is, by definition, hell. That would be the thing that, that terrifies me the most, is to not not have opportunity to be or speak to or pray to or talk to walk with God anymore just just to have that stripped away is the most terrifying thing I can think of 
even more than flames. <laughs> so yes, I I just I thank you very much. That clarified um, that a lot and and reinforced what I thought and clarified what I wasn't sure about. So thank you very much. Sure. Yeah, and I hope that there's maybe some listeners who the, who uh, who are listening in who that helped clarify some things as well. God bless you, Katie. Okay. Thanks for calling in. Thank All you, right. Pastor. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line, 720-336-0897. We have uh, we had another caller on the line. Uh, we have all open lines right now, by the way, so it's a great time for you to call in if you'd like to get on the show. Uh, we had another caller um, who was waiting on the line, but turns out I guess I answered his question in my response to Katie. So Mel, his question was, how did it work for Old Testament believers before Christ? So yeah, it sounds like we answered that in our um, talk. But I think that is really important that the these Old Testament people who were told, like in the book of Hebrews, are with God now. How, how did they get to heaven? How is it that they, they died apart from justification? Well, what they did is they, they believed God, like it says in um, Genesis, that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. It's that sense of saying, you know, you could go really into this topic of how does this work? Well, Romans chapter 1 says that everybody knows that there is right and wrong. Right? Even if they've never read the Bible, even if they've never heard about Jesus, they know that they know that there's right and wrong. Not just that, but they know that they have sometimes done things which they themselves know are wrong. And so what that means is that we all have this problem. What are we going to do? Right? Because we've all done things that are wrong. We all know that we've done something wrong. And so what are we going to do? Are we going to proudly come before God and still say, God, I am good enough even though I've sinned? Or are we going to say, there must be a God, I see his order in nature, and therefore whoever he is, I will cast myself upon his mercy, not upon pr- proudly standing in my own righteousness. You know, one, I just taught on this recently at, um, at Whitefields in Longmont, and I would encourage you, if you're interested in hearing more, because obviously this is, we have very little time to talk about it here on the radio program today, but if you'd like more in-depth on this, I just taught about this a couple weeks ago at Whitefields in our series, I Could Never Believe in a God Who, and our, our topic was, I Could Never Believe in a God Who Sends People to Hell. And so we answered a lot of these questions about hell and how does this work? And what about people who've never heard the gospel? And what about Old Testament people? And how does this all work? And what is hell? And we, uh, we talked about it from a very different perspective than what I just talked about with Katie. So I'd encourage you, go check that out. It's on our website, whitefieldschurch.com, or you can find us on podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Whitefields Community Church. Just a heads up that Whitefields is two words. That'll help you find it when you search for it. But we studied it in light of Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. And I'd encourage you, if you um, are interested, go and check out um, Matthew 22, and then uh, listen to that sermon from about two weeks ago on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. Hopefully, it'll bring a little more clarity to the issue. We're going to go to our next caller, Linda, in Denver. Hi, Linda. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Um, my question is, I was discussing, a Christian friend and I were discussing sin, and he's under the belief that sin, there are different degrees of sin, where some sins are worse than others. I've always been 
of the belief that sin is sin, regardless of how severe or how, I don't know how much you would put it, just how, how significant it is. But are there different variations of sin? Does God look at some sin worse than others? I guess that's my question. Yeah, so the answer is you're both right in a way. And, and I think this is a really <laughs> good question that a lot of people ask. And uh, I think there's a really good and simple answer for it. And that's this. All sin is sin uh, quantitatively, but not all sin is the same qualitatively. So all sin is sin quantitatively. So sin is equal quantitatively, but it's not all equal qualitatively. Now let me explain what Mm -hmm. I mean. In the one sense, a sin is a sin is a sin, right? If we're marking sins on a sin board, right, and they're just making a, a tick on the board for each sin that somebody commits, well, if you lie or you go over the speed limit or you murder the president, that counts as one tick, right? So that's the exactly. quantitative part. Now, okay. and then you could get into this whole thing, well, how many sins do you have to commit to be a sinner? And of course, the answer is one, which means that we're one. all sinners and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. On the other hand, though, are there some sins that God finds more grievous than others? I think we have to say absolutely yes. And and I'll even give you just a biblical framework for that is that there are some sins that the Bible says these are sins leading unto death, and these are sins which are not leading unto death. Um, oh. I'll give you another example. There are some sins in the Bible that God finds so grievous that he kills people on the spot. And that's not just in the Old Testament, that's in the New Testament as well. One of the ones I find most interesting is in Genesis, I believe it's chapter 37, but uh, I'd need to go and check that. But it's this, um, it's the sin of Onan. And um, Onan basically is... He's forced to marry his uh, brother. His brother dies, and his job, this is a cultural expectation in that culture, was that he would marry his brother's wife and have children with her, and those children would count as his brother's children, not as his own children. In other words, this woman is going to sleep with him, not because she really wants to sleep with him, Mm -hmm. but because she wants to have children to honor her deceased husband and to um, have a, you know, someone who will carry on the family name. So what does Onan do? Well, it says that he would um, sleep with her and not um, let her get pregnant. In other words, why? Because, well, guess what? Then he'd have to keep sleeping with her. In other words, he's, it's what we would classify today as a sexual assault and God kills him on the spot. And then we see like in in the book of Acts, you know, there's this sense in which God wants to keep the purity of the early church. And so Ananias and Sapphira, they lie to the uh, Holy Spirit and to the church and God kills them on the spot. And there are times when that happens in the Bible. And I think we have to say that those are times when we would say these were particularly grievous sins and God wanted to put an end to them on the spot. So Anyway, that's my answer. I hope that, and I, and I think that makes sense even just rationally, right? Like um, molestation is is worse than like a going 36 and a 35, right? True. Okay, that helps clarify it because that has never, I've just, that's not what I was taught or raised on, although it heard me to Jude 3, and that was kind of the subject that we were discussing. Okay, what is um, And Jude I was like, no, 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 you're wrong. <laughs> Like, he is right, you know, and it was clear for me because, of course, I don't want to miscommunicate messages to anyone that aren't truth or from Scripture. Yeah. So um, I appreciate that, and I thank you for that. Yeah, my uh, pleasure. Pass it on. He'll be happy to know he's right. If no. anything, I think you guys can both be right, and so we can have a happy medium there. All right. <laughs> yes. Well, God bless we you. Can I, can I ask one quick favor? Yeah. Um, i got to 
I'm on my way to visit a friend, excuse me, a friend in the hospital that was diagnosed with brain cancer. This friend is actually like family, like a brother. So just in prayer for him. What's his name? John. John. Okay, we're going to go pray for John, and then we're going to go right to our break. So let's pray for John. Heavenly Father, thank you um, that Linda has the opportunity to see John right now. Lord, we pray that you would bless John with uh, Linda's presence and uh, and her being somebody who knows you and is praying for him to you. Lord, we also pray for John. We ask, Lord, that in your power you would um, take away this tumor. We pray that you'd bring healing to his body. Uh, Lord, most of all, we ask that you'd bring comfort with your presence in John's um, John's life as he's there in the hospital. And be with him, Lord. We ask that you do these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Amen. Linda. Thank you so much. God and we are you. going to our mid-show break. We will be right back with Calvary Live in two minutes' time. Thanks so much. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. I'm in studio today here at Grace FM Studios in uh, Aurora, Colorado, and just uh, we're blessed to uh, be able to take your calls and pray for you on the air. We have one open line right now, uh, the number to call, 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. So let's go to our next caller. Tony in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Tony. Welcome to the program. How are you doing? Thank you for taking my call. Uh, just a real quick question. Uh, so the past couple of days on Grace FM, they've been teaching, I think it's been the same one kind of repeated, about Daniel's um, uh, uh, prophecy in the dream with Nebuchadnezzar and how he was able to interpret the dream. So I've kind of studied that recently, and what I've kind of figured out is when he talks about the, the figure and all the different governments that will rule the world throughout the history of mankind, I've started to realize that, um, and, and I may be wrong, and that's what I'm looking for clarity, that those governments that are being referred to, the world, world governments, are having to do not with every single world government that will ever rule, but any world government that has ever ruled the state of Israel. Um, and that's why there's such a giant uh, time gap between the Roman Empire and then the Ten Toes, because that's when the state of Israel had dissipated. Now that it's come back, now it's time that we can have the ten toes. So number one, to see if there was any clarity on anything in the Bible that specifies true, true one-world government, or is the view really that we're talking about governments that have ruled the state of Israel? And if that's the case, then in the in Revelation, um, that government, the one-world government that's being that's going to happen, is that truly an entire planet government or government of these 10 rulers that'll be a Middle Eastern Federation. Yeah, Tony, that's a really interesting question. And I think it's really great observation for you to notice that we're talking about Daniel 2, correct? Is that, um, yes. yeah, and about the different, you know, there's these, this statue with these different parts, and they're talking about different um, empires, which will rule over, you know, they'll rule. And, and I think you make a great point. I think that that seems to hold water to me 
at least from a rational perspective, here's where I think it breaks down a little bit, is that there has been, since the Roman Empire, there has been another empire that has ruled over Jerusalem, and that would be the Solution Turkish Empire. You know, I'm not sorry, not the Solutions. They were they were a different time. This would be the Turkish Empire, you know, the sultans um, of the Ottoman Empire who ruled over that. And that was also, you know, a huge, big, legitimate empire that ruled over Israel for quite a long time. Um, so... What does all that mean? I mean, I think that that would just cause me to question that as like a hard and fast, you know, explanation for what that means. Sure. Um, and if I could just interject real quick, because um, uh, it'll help in my studies. So the Turkish Empire that ruled was Israel a state at the time it ruled, or we're just talking about Jerusalem? Because I've noticed that when Israel is a state, when its people are in one place as a whole and they're not scattered, that was the rule that was being referred to. Mm. Um, so you're right. My theory breaks down if, in fact, Israel was a state and the people were gathered during the Turkish rule. Because I was under understanding um, they were pretty much scattered. Even though Jerusalem remained, they were scattered after the Roman Empire. Uh, again, yeah, no, that's correct. Story. They went into diaspora after, the, after 70 AD. And now some, of course, remained in Jerusalem and in the area around Israel and in many of the surrounding countries. But no, you're right. The Israel ceased to exist as a state um, and, you know, came back into existence as a state only in the 1940s. So perhaps, you know, I think that that's possible. Now, the conclusion that it will be some sort of Middle Eastern um, empire of, of conglomerate states, uh, I'm not sure that we can say, you know, decisively if that will be a Middle Eastern empire, if it will be some other sort of empire that rules over Israel. But I think your theory is interesting, and I, I don't really see any way that I can dis you know, disprove it other than that thought about the Turkish Empire, but you make a good point about the people being gathered versus being scattered. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, <laughs> wasn't trying to disrupt anything. I was just kind of curious, if, um, because if, if that's the case in my, own, in my own teachings, it's a little bit scarier, or in my own in study, because if we're waiting for a one-world government to appear, um, that's a longer shot than a federation that occurs in the Middle East, since right now the federation... Pretty much all of them are Muslim, except the state of Israel. So that can happen a lot quicker in our in a modern time frame than a one world government. Um, so that that was just a, an interesting thought that I was realizing. Like, if that's the case, if the Bible's really talking about a federation just in the middle Middle East that'll control Jerusalem once again, or control the state of Israel, which now exists, then we could be uh, way way closer than than. Uh, looking forward to a one world government. So I just wanted to get your view on that. Yeah, no, I think I think uh, I would agree with you in theory. And, you know, this is one of those things where I think this is one of the things where it's, it's fun to theorize and postulate over it. And we just say, hey, maybe this is how it will be, or maybe it's not, but we're going to, uh, we're going to keep trusting the Lord no matter what and waiting for his return and we'll say in Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. Right, right. Okay, well, thank you very much. All right. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. We have one open line, and you can also text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Mel on line three. Hi, Mel. Welcome back. Hey, how's it going? Um, my name is actually Mel. I think the guy might have uh, heard me wrong, but... Okay. Um, yeah, I just uh, you actually answered my question earlier, just about um, the whole 
salvation before Jesus. Um, so that's, so I just had another question about just in terms of, of predestination. Um, I know this is kind of, um, kind of debated, um, just in terms of like, obviously, um, like people are predestined and, and the thought of, um, I'm just kind of curious, like people are predestined for heaven. And then does that mean that God also predestines people for hell? Um, and like, you know, us as believers, like it says, in the Bible that, like, we were with, um, like, in the presence of God, like, before the foundation of the world. Um, so just kind of curious in terms of if God um, kind of knows the people that are going to repent and the people that aren't going to. Um, yeah. And so that's, like... No, that's, a, that's definitely I mean, it's a huge question that Christians have been debating for literally 2,000 years. And yeah. So, but I, okay, so I just want to clarify one thing you said. You said, in the presence of God before the creation of the earth. But what that, that you're, you're talking about Ephesians chapter 1, and he says that we're chosen from before the foundations of the earth. Yeah. So it's not yeah. the same as being, you know, that that's a whole different concept of pre-existence. So we don't believe in that, mm-hmm. but we do believe... Uh, Here's why we believe in predestination, because that word is in the Bible. And so, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that's when Christians say, well, I don't believe in predestination. I'm like, well, how can you not believe in predestination? It is literally in the Bible, like the yeah. word is in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, interestingly, the word free will is not in the Bible. Now, maybe mm-hmm. the concept can be deduced rationally, but uh, if we're talking about things that are found in the Bible— uh, we have we can't deny predestination. The mm-hmm. word is in the Bible. Now that that does bring up some valid questions, like the ones you bring up, and these are really the ones that people have struggled with for a very long time. I, I would put it this way. Oh, I'll give you a couple ways of thinking about it. Number one is this: that w- when the Bible wants to give people confidence in their salvation, right? So, let's say there's a person who's worried that maybe they're not saved and they mm-hmm. want to be saved and they trust in Jesus and they're just like, Oh, but what if my faith isn't strong enough? Or what if, mm-hmm. you know, what if I trip and fall down the stairs and say a bad word while I'm falling and then I die and then am I going to go to heaven? And to those people, the Bible really emphasizes, Hey, God has chosen you from before the foundation of the earth. He has mm-hmm. predestined you and he is not going to let you go. Now, yeah. on the other hand, like the book of Hebrews speaks to people who are kind of like, I don't know if I'm super into this Christian thing. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe not. They're kind of like mm-hmm. wavering back and forth to those people. Um, the Bible says, Hey, you better choose today. Today's the day of salvation and you need to make a choice. And then mm-hmm. it says, if you turn away from him, if you trample underfoot the blood of Christ, there is no more sacrifice that can be made for you. Mm-hmm. So we hold these two things in tension. Now I'll tell you this. Um, I think in a way we always want to do this. We want to, um, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. If you can get yeah. what I'm saying with this yeah. for, for those people who are kind of like apathetic or like, they're not, you know, they're like being fleshly and you know, the Bible warns those people, Hey, you know what? You better cling to the Lord and you better make sure you're really in the faith because your actions are showing that you might not be right. Yeah. But to the person who's like, Hey, I'm trying to walk with the Lord. I'm a, I'm just, I stumble sometimes the Bible gives them so much, confidence. And both of those are important. Now, how does it actually work, though, is the question, isn't it? So um, here's what I'd say. Has God, does God choose people? Yeah. Do we know who's chosen? No, right? Like from our perspective. So this is two other, this is a perspective issue as well. 
right? You can think about it like a parade, you know? Uh, if you're on the ground for the parade, uh, Macy's Day Parade, right? You see each float go by you one at a time. But if you're up in the Goodyear blimp watching the Macy's Day Parade, guess what? You see the whole thing at one time and you know exactly what's going to happen when and how it's going to happen, etc. So from God's perspective, has he chosen people? Yes. Does he know who's going to be saved? Yes. Does he know who's not going to be saved? Yes. Interestingly, though, whenever the Bible talks about people being judged, it talks about judgment being because they have rejected salvation. So it never says that God has, right? Like It doesn't put that on God. It puts that on people. In other words, if you go to hell, is that on God or is that on you? That is on you. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other hand, if you go to heaven, is that on you or is that on God? That's on God. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, um, you know, one person I, I listened to, he always used to describe it like this. He said, you know, these two things, it almost seems like, it's like if you look at, if you stand on train tracks and you look off in the horizon, it seems that these two things never meet. But as you look on the horizon, somehow they meet, right, in your, in your eyes, in your mm-hmm. sight. But if you keep tracking down with it, it seems like they're two separate things that never come together, and yet they work together yeah. as train tracks. And so this, that's what we need to remember. Look, this is what I would tell somebody. Um, your salvation is the work of God. Mm-hmm. If you are judged, that is because of your rejection of his salvation. And so does God predestine people? Yeah. Does God choose people? Absolutely. Do you have to make a choice? Yes, you do. Mm -hmm. Right. And so these things are all true at the same time and to dilute any of them and to either say, well, therefore your choice doesn't really matter or to say that God doesn't really choose people or he chooses people based on him foreknowing what you were going to choose anyway. In a way, this is a way of creating a systematic theology, which, in my opinion, compromises just taking what the Bible says straight and saying, okay, somehow God is bigger than me. And Mm -hmm. actually, I think that's something we can be glad about. We can be glad that God is so great and big that his ways are incomprehensible to us fully. We can kind of we can kind of get it. But at the end of the day, we we still say, wow, his ways are higher than mine. And I'm going to trust him that his word is true when he says all these things are true at the same time, somehow in his greatness, he causes that to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that definitely helps out a lot and creates a lot of things up. So, um, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. That helped. Awesome. Well, God yeah. bless you, Mel. Thanks right, for calling thank in. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got one open line. The number is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Let's go to our next caller. We've got Jeff in Colorado Springs. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to the program. Hey, Nick. How are you today? Doing I wanted great. to share with you a uh, historical archaeological Discovery that's recently been uh, discovered in uh, Jerusalem, and uh, I think this is really quite dramatic because it goes to the historical fact of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Um, Caiaphas's tomb, the high priest who condemned Jesus, has been found in 1990. Okay, and in that in that discovery, what they found in the tomb and did not document in photographs, as the tomb was discovered, every item in the tomb, the ossuaries where the bones are placed, 
the the little items that might go with it, the lamps, all this was taken pictures of except for two items that were found in that tomb. They found, and this is documented on Amazon Prime on Decoding the Ancients, they found two Roman crucifixion nails in the tomb with Caiaphas. One of them in the ossuary box with him, covered in limestone, one of them outside. Hmm. What's interesting is, uh, as they documented this, they went back to the Israeli Department of Antiquities and said, why weren't the pictures taken of this? And where are these nails? Where are these crucifixion nails? The Department of Antiquities had all the other items on one side and said, they're not here. They went back to the person that actually took the photographs of everything in Caiaphas' tomb and said, why didn't you take the pictures? And he was told, I was instructed not to. They then went back to the Department of Antiquities and again said, where could these nails possibly be? Now, only one Roman crucifixion nail has ever been found, and that is through the ankle bone of an individual, and it's on display in Jerusalem. They went to the side of the Department of Antiquities that holds the bones, and the two Roman crucifixion nails were over there with the ankle bone nail. And they asked the Department of Antiquities, why wasn't this documented? Why was there not pictures taken? And their comment back was, this is very political. We, we don't want to talk about this. That's interesting because, uh, you know, I was just in Israel and, um, you know, what I, what, what I found was that I, I talked to some Jewish, I actually had the opportunity, our group was at, visiting a site and there was a, a archaeological dig going on and we actually got to go and chat with the archaeologists for a little bit. And what surprised me is that all the Jewish people I talked to uh, who were not Christians, they all seemed to, nobody had any kind of uh, doubt about whether or not Jesus of Nazareth was crucified on a Roman cross. I guess I just don't understand why, um, f- you know, hiding nails would would be of any benefit to anybody. Well, the interesting thing is, is you know, to, as proof that those nails were in there with Caiaphas, one of them was placed in his ossuary and is covered in limestone. So it wasn't something that was added or somebody trying to deceive. Hmm. But the question would be, why would Caiaphas' family place those nails, those Roman crucifixion nails in with him? Was it a, we just want to be done with this, we want to say, you know, our family is absolved? Was it Caiaphas they became believers? Yeah, we don't know. Interesting. Well, so you say this documentary is on Netflix, or sorry, Amazon Prime. What's it called? Amazon Prime. It's called Decoding the Ancients. It's the very first episode called The Nails of the Cross. Very interesting. The rest Thanks, the rest Jeff. of the episodes are not very good, but the first one, it's very intriguing. And, you know, it's as a proof of the crucifixion of our Lord, what an amazing way, even Caius is saying, I, maybe he's saying, put these in here with me. I did this. I'm claiming responsibility. Awesome. Hey, very interesting. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. And I'm sure lots of people are going to uh, go and check that out. So uh, it was on Amazon Prime. And one more time, the name, and I'm going to let you go. Decoding the Ancients, Episode 1. Perfect. Thanks so the much, The Nails Jeff. of the Cross. God bless you. 
You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm taking your calls and texts on the air. We've got about 10 minutes left in the program. Love to hear from you. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. And um, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love to hear from you and talk with you. Let's go to our next caller, Susan in Tennessee. Hi, Susan. Welcome to the program. Hello, Nick. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Good to hear from you. You know, we don't get a ton of calls from Tennessee, so I'm glad to uh, hear from you. Well, I'm glad to be calling. I listen to your program every week, and I thoroughly enjoy it. I learn a lot from it. And we have actually a Calvary Chapel here in Greenville that's about 10 miles from where I live. And I have attended that church a couple of times. I like it. Awesome. What can we do for you today? Uh, I need to seek prayer. Um, My estranged husband, we've been married for 25 years. We have three sons. Uh, the youngest being 12 years old. And I recently had a major surgery 28 days ago, and I had no other option but to call him to come and help me. Um, He is an alcoholic and addict. He's backslidden. He does know the Lord. Um, Every time that, that, that he does come... Uh, that when I need his help, it, it ends up in, you know, him stealing something or taking something of the boys or oh it's just terrible. I mean, he, he, he really has demon possession. I do believe that they, they, he, he's on the drug methamphetamine. Wow. And That's he uses serious. alcohol and, you know, I go to church every week and, I study the Word of God, and I try to live it. Okay. But, I mean, it's just like you can feel the powers of yeah. darkness working. And Susan, it sounds like you have kids. Yes. Okay. We do. They're in the house yeah. still. I have two, a 12-year-old, and then the 20-year-old is okay. still in the house. Okay. Well, let me pray for your family. This is obviously a very um, you know, big and difficult situation. Let's So thanks for calling in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for Susan and we just, you know, we can empathize with what she's going through, although we we don't know what it's like uh, personally, but we do empathize with that. Lord, we know that you know the situation really well. You know what's going on in her husband's mind and in his heart. Um, Lord, we pray that you would set him free from addiction. Lord, we pray that you would, um, by your spirit, give him the power to leave the addiction behind. And Lord, that more than anything, you'd take hold of his heart and that he would truly turn to you with everything that he is. So he would no longer be a slave to drugs and alcohol, but he would be a slave to Christ. He would be a bondservant of Jesus. And so, Lord, we ask that you would do that work. We, we remember what your word says, that uh, some things you know, are impossible with man. They just seem this is an impossible thing that could never happen. It seems totally hopeless, but you say, with God, all things are possible. And we believe that, Lord. We stand on that truth. And we trust in your power and in your loving kindness that you are able to do this. And we ask that you would do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you so very much. I do appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be praying for you and your kids. That's an awful situation. It is. It is. And I believe that the Lord is going to set him free. I have to hold on to that hope. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's it's somehow good that you're still in contact with him. I pray that God would use you as a light in his life, but also that he would send other people so it's not just on you. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. God bless you, Susan. I do. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We are entering the last five minutes of our show today. we still got time for one more call. If there's anybody who says, you know, I was really hoping to get on today, Give us a call. We'll get you right on the air. Number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Let's go to our text line real quick and look. We've had a couple texts come in. One is from Russell who um, says, here's an update. So apparently Russell is somebody who has been calling into the show and talking. I can't remember if I've talked to him or not, but uh, I, I will often ask people to call us with updates. Uh, about their prayer requests, etc. So Russell says, uh, this is Russell with an update. My wife and I are on better terms and we are in the direction of restoration. In fact, actually, I think I remember this call from a couple weeks ago. It sounded really hopeless. And uh, so the, if this is the person that I remember talking to, and, and I did ask for a follow-up, um, and this is awesome. So let's just pray for Russell. He says, thank you for your time on the radio and for all your prayers. Russell, um, Hey, I'm so glad that you and your wife are on better terms and in the direction of restoration. Let's pray for you. Lord, we thank you for this good report from Russell. Thank you that you're working in this situation. Lord, we pray that there would be truly reconciliation, that there would be forgiveness. Lord, that you would do a restorative work in their lives and in their family, but it wouldn't just be restoring their marriage. It would also be, Lord, that they would both be seeking after you um, and, and truly heading in the same direction, that idea of, of uh, you know, being equally yoked in the sense of, of animals that are pulling in the same direction on the same mission. I pray that that would be the case for Russell and, and his wife. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go. We have uh, one more call before we end uh, the program. Let's go to Adrian in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Adrian. Welcome to the program. How's it going? Great. Um, yeah. If you could, man, uh, and everybody listening, uh, we follow a page on Facebook. It's for a, a baby. Okay. So I think he's less than one. But anyways, his name is uh, Dalton, and he was doing better, but the last uh, few weeks, we see that he's hooked up to, like, ventilators, and uh, he's going through chemo, and a lot of stuff really hitting this kid. It tears me up, man. Yeah. To see, uh, you know, kids hurt like in any way. Yeah. <clears throat> so if you and others would pray for God's hand to be on him and for him to get through everything he's going through. Great. Let's let's do that. Heavenly Father, we pray for Dalton. Thank you, Lord, for Adrian bringing this to our attention. Lord, we know that you, um, Lord, you are so bothered by suffering that you um, you sent your son to die. Lord, so that we could be ultimately healed and set free from suffering. So, Lord, we ask that you would heal this child, Dalton. Thank you that there are other people praying and caring. And, uh, Lord, we lift him up to you and ask for your healing hand to be upon him. We ask for your comfort to be with him and his family 
in the hospital as they go through this trial. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's go to our last call. It looks like Priscilla in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Priscilla. Welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? Doing great. What's up? We've got about three minutes. Just heads up. Um, just asking for prayer. We um, last weekend uh, buried my younger brother, and there's just been so much um, confrontation throughout the whole family, and it's just it's 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 just really a bad situation. So I'm just asking for prayers to for God to put His hand over my siblings and extended family, and just pray for us. Yeah, Heavenly Father, we pray for Priscilla and her family. Uh, Lord, we know that. Uh, Lord, we know that you yourself wept over the death of Lazarus, your friend. And so, Lord, we know that they are mourning. We know that, Lord, in their mourning, you weep along with them. And we take comfort and, and courage in knowing that. Uh, we thank you that, Lord, in you, all suffering will one day end. And we hold on to that promise. But, Lord, in the meantime, we ask for you to bring reconciliation and unity in Priscilla's family. Lord, I pray that there would be people who uh, put aside stubbornness and embrace humility in how they respond to each other. Lord, I pray that there would be people who forgive where there needs to be forgiveness and, uh, and people who apologize where there needs to be apologies. Lord, I pray that you would bring about a restorative work in their lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank God bless you, you Priscilla. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Calvary Live. We have one minute left, less than a minute. And I just want to acknowledge another text message that came in. Somebody said, hey, I'm 60 days clean from marijuana today, but I'm struggling. Please pray for me. So let's do that. Heavenly Father, we pray for this brother or sister who is um, struggling with marijuana. Lord, we pray, truly set them free. Give them the strength to stand up where their flesh is weak. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. Thanks for tuning in today. We're here with you today every weekday, 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time. And I'll be with you again next week. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.